Welcome to the new episode of Sports and Songs podcast. Today is May 29th. Sorry, May 29th. This is episode number 27 of season two. I'm your co-host, Dan, also joined with our other co-host, Andy. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Well, Memorial Weekend is here, is upon us. And that means Indy 500. That means June, just around the corner. Yep. And that means baseball in Minnesota is in full swing. And I mean amateur, over 35. The whole works, the whole kit and caboodles. The whole nine yards, as we say. As we say. So uh, what should we start off with first? Trivia question. Trivia question, like always. All right, this week's trivia is focusing on the Indy 500. Been around for a long time. It's a race that takes place in Indianapolis, for the fans that didn't know that. Sorry. Open so, wheel. It's been around for a while. Um, the question today is, what number, what car number is responsible for the most wins in Indy 500 history? Hmm. There's a lot of cars that race. It's been around for a while. Many have two, three, four wins. Not by the same owner slash driver, for instance, but just the car number in okay. general. There's been a couple that have won five, seven, but the highest is 11. Now it's a little auto racing. It goes up to 11. Highest is 11. What car number has won the Indy 500 11 times? That's the question. See, that's one thing with auto racing, NASCAR, Indy, all other stuff. Your number isn't assigned to you. You can't get like your number retired like in football or baseball or something like that. That number is owned by the team. So like Richard Petty's 43. That number is still out there. The, the team he owns uses car 43. Uh, AJ Foyt for 14. There's still 14 in the team he owns for Indy. It's the, just that's the way it is. So don't think that, oh, that guy won a lot. It must be his number. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I know Clint Boyer, when he raced, went through like four different numbers in his career. You only had like three wins, so it doesn't matter. But, you know, you can change numbers as you want as it goes through. So it's not per se, oh, that guy won a lot, must be him. So Correct. Yep. And that's and that's not the point of the question. Uh, yep. That's all I could throw that out there. Just because someone won a lot. The number of times. If you were a, if you were a betting man, you may want to place a number uh, a bet on this one. But how long has the Indy 500 been around? Um, I don't know. That's an honest answer. That's another, that's another question. I was going to cover that because I typically don't cover auto racing in my segment. So I was doing some homework in the Indy 500. And well, maybe as I'm babbling along, as I'm babbling along today, you can look that up when it comes to answer time. Get the yep. crack staff on that. Get the crack staff, crack crew. Yes. Like Go ahead and sports, Andy, and then I'll fill in on the rest. And then we've got Elton's concert and Andy's soapbox. Yes. Regular features. Soapbox, person of the week, all that fun stuff. All right, here we go. Do this and this. Uh, put that button there. There we go. Memorial Day weekend. Just a little PSA for everybody. Memorial Day is for those who we lost in service, not those who served. So do not go up to a veteran today and say, Happy Memorial Day. Thank you for your service because they're still alive. Um, it's a time to. There'll be a lot of stuff. I know Fort Snelling has stuff going on. There'll be parades. Uh, I know here in Watertown, the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts put on a thing. Those are fun to go to. Chance to reflect and remember. So that, this is the, just don't get those holidays confused. Big Ten baseball. We'll start that. They yeah, still got a week to go. Here's the standings right now. Um, it was brought to my attention on the Facebook page that, yes, Nebraska won the Big Ten title for baseball. And a lot of you will be looking at the standings. They're going, hmm, Big Ten. We have 14 teams in the Big Ten, Andy. I only see 13 there. Because that's back in 91, Wisconsin had to get rid of their baseball team. So there's only 13 teams in baseball for the Big Ten of our 14-team league. Yep. I didn't know that. And and, and there, there's our Gophers taking up last place there. Um, five and 28 on the year. I'd just like to make a pick right now that the 2021 Gopher football team will win more games than the baseball team. <laughs> Ooh. Mark my words now. Earmark this episode and check on me in December. Let's just see if I'm right or not. Um, it's still a week to go before the Big Ten tournament starts, and then uh, the College World Series will begin. Uh, Nebraska will uh, obviously make some noise there. Maryland's got a good team. Michigan's good. 
Iowa's kind of a sleeper. Don't fall asleep on Iowa. They got a good little team too, so keep an eye on them. Uh, go for softball, and they're in the NCAA's loss to UCLA last weekend, so they are out of it. Uh, they lost to UCLA, but I think UCLA was two or three in the country at the time. So losing two to one in an elimination game to one of the top teams in the country, not bad. Uh, good season for the go for softball team. Uh, next year will be our year next year, girls. We'll get them there. Uh, Big Ten put out their football schedule on um, TV schedule. Here's some September games on the Big Ten network there. Uh, I was on there a few times. Uh, no gopher games to start with. Not on the Big Ten network anyway. Um, you see Rutgers in there a few times. Like I said, Hawkeyes a lot. Nebraska. But Fox did also release theirs for the year. You see the Gophers start out on Fox September 2nd against the Ohio State. Um, so it'll be one of our losses. We'll get that out of the way right away. Because college football, you know, in the rankings and standings, it's, what have you done for me lately? So I'd hate to see the Gophers as a borderline bowl team and then lose to Ohio State at the end of the year and hurt them. If you got to play those tough teams, get it done with right away. So I kind of like I kind of like that from the Gopher football aspect of it. Um, so there's that part. Of course, on November 27th, the Ohio State and Michigan, the big rivalry game there. The one game that looks best to me on here right now, I mean, you see Oregon playing Ohio State on there. Notre Dame-Wisconsin, that should be a fun game right there. That's kind of be close to the end of the season there. Mid-season where a loss there could hurt you, but not really. That should be a good one right there. But that's the schedule for now. All right, Major League Baseball, we'll get into the standings here for – for the boys, um, Tampa Bay in first in the East still. By a half game as of this morning, Boston's been doing a well lately, but Tampa Bay 9-1 in their last 10. Non-type. Um, Baltimore uh, lost 10 in a row. They were the team at the beginning of the year, had 0% chance of making the playoffs. After like a week and a half of the season, they were in first place, and then it kind of reality set in. Central, Twins are out of last place by half a game. All those well in Twins land until last night. They'd won like four in a row, but still six and four in their last 10. Um, if you go by the last 10 standings over there, they have gained a game in the last week and a half. So keep picking away at it. We'll be just fine. And the AL West, the A's are still just kind of plugging along there. Um, Houston's making some noise, but. A's are looking good. They're looking good and steady. National League, you got the Mets in first place still, six and four. Picked up a couple games on Philadelphia in the last week and a half. I picked up games on everybody except Miami. Um, Mets are doing okay. They had another rainout last night. Uh, they had a rainout earlier this week, but that game got made up right away with a doubleheader. So uh, Mets are still behind on number of games played. Hopefully that won't hurt them too much later with a lot of doubleheaders. We'll see. Not making excuses, just facts. Central, Cubs still half game out. They've been hot lately, eight and two in the last week and a half. Um, Cubs are one of those streaky teams. They'll be eight and two now, and then in a couple weeks, you'll see they'll be two and eight. So never know what Cubs team you're going to get. I'd like to see them stay strong just because the rivalry them and the Cardinals have, if they can stay competitive all year, we could quit hearing about Boston and the Yankees all the time, hopefully. Uh, then we go San Diego, LA, and Frisco still running away with the East out there. That's kind of a incredible. If you're up late at night um, watching those games on your MLB package or on a, one of the major sports networks, the fun teams to watch. They're very exciting. Hopefully, this race keeps up all year and no one drops out. If the playoffs were today, it'd be the one seed. The Padres would play the wild card winner, which would be the Dodgers card or Dodgers Giants. And the 2-3 right now would be the Cardinals and Mets in the National League. American League, Tampa Bay's got the best record, so they'd get the winner of Boston and New York. It'd be the Chai Sox and the A's in the 2-3 matchup. So that would be our playoffs if, if today goes into the season. That's where we'd be sitting right there. But, Dan, you had something on this young lady who uh, this week had, had a good little game. Uh, Catherine – O'Donohue almost ran right past the her chance at, to log one of the toughest accompl accomplishments of any softball player. The Ann Arbor 
Father Gabriel Jr., Catherine O'Donoghue, has already rounded third base for home when her coach threw up the stop sign, giving O'Donoghue arguably the toughest part of hitting for the cycle, the triple. By the time the game was over, Donahue had an inside-the-park home run, a triple, a double, and a single to go along with 17 strikeouts she logged and route to pitching a no-hitter against, against St. Catherine's Academy in the same game. I want to see that picture for the Angels pull that off. You hit the cycle and throw a no-hitter, buddy. Well, I want to see that one. <laughs> that would be play of the week, Victoria. but right there. I mean, now I'm not putting down anything for softball. Softball, no-hitters are a little more common there in college and high school softball. There was a lot of no-hitters in high school baseball and college. But those pitchers are kind of babied for the boys a little bit. Um, so to hear someone, the cycle is the part that's incredible. You don't hear the cycle very often at any level. Um, and then here she goes around and, oh, throws a no-hitter at the same time too. Almost ruined the cycle. She could have had two inside the park home runs. Coach had to throw the stop sign. So... Congratulations to her on a great accomplishment. Thor, Noah Syndergaard. Um, yeah, uh, Mets manager Louis Rojas said Thursday that the right-hander Noah Syndergaard will not throw for six weeks after an MRI revealed right elbow inflammation. Inflammation, I used a big word and I know what it means. So there, Syndergaard who underwent Tommy John surgery last year, appeared to be a few weeks away from rejoining the Mets before he left for a second rehab start at Class A St. Lucie on Tuesday after just one inning. His velocity, normally in the mid to high 90s, was clocked in the mid 80s by the end of the Tuesday. So a little extra precaution there for Sundegaard. Hopefully it's not a career ender, but um, you never want to see inflammation come back after Tommy John. Um, there has been a little scuttlebutt that maybe Syndergaard was coming back too fast. That was his rip a couple years ago. He got too big in the offseason and hurt himself. Maybe Syndergaard comes back as a reliever this year. Who knows? Um, let's just hope the best for him. He, he had a not again, not make excuses. He had a great career starting. I hate to see it stop and have him be one of those what if guys. So uh, hopefully the Mets have had a ton of injuries. Um, like I said last week, at one time. Seven of the nine starters for opening day were on the DL. The sad part, one of the healthy guys was Francisco Lindor, who's batting a buck 95. So Tim Tebow. Um, speaking of Mets and injuries, as you know, Tim Tebow's been working out with the Jacksonville Jaguars before he retired from the Mets. Word is from a few Mets camps, they said if Tebow was still at the Mets, they probably would have called him up last week. That's how many injuries they've had. So uh I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, Mets fans, baseball fans, that have seen Tebow get his major league start. He's in the media's going to go nuts as football. Can you imagine if he would have done it in baseball? Uh, a couple notes I want to bring up here. Uh, facts I saw this week. Here's a note about Satchel Paige. Uh, my opinion, probably the best pitcher ever. He appeared in his final major league game September 25th, 1965, for the Kansas City A's. He pitched three scoreless innings against the Red Sox, giving up just one hit, a double Carl Strumsky. Satchel Page was 59 years old at the time. Phil Mickelson at 50 wins the PGA Championship last week. Tom Brady is still doing great things at 40. When you're 50, you win the championship, or you're 58, 59, like Satchel, and you're still going, you may call. Josh Donaldson's been popping off on, on the Twitter machine. Donaldson's a good player. I'm not ripping on him. He had a nice little career. He's no Hall of Famer by any means. He's no superstar by any means, in my opinion. But he's saying that he's got a book of people who have cheated, who have, uh, like the one guy said here, go, what's the difference between pine tar, rosin, sunscreen, and other stuff that's used today? Oh, I agree. I have an entire catalog of these guys coming out. Why? I mean, you have it. Why do you have to release a book to it? Send it to the office at Major League Baseball and let them deal with it. Why do you have to make a spectacle like this of it? That, that's what I don't get. Why do you get your 15 minutes of fame here? Here, we gave you 30 seconds of it. Bieber, pitcher for our friends, the Cleveland Indians. 600 strikeouts. Pretty One of the fastest guys to reach 600 in his career. And I just want to put that in perspective. 
gets after that game, he had 609 strikeouts in 478 in the third innings. That's 1.273 strikeouts per inning. So, of course, I went back to my Mets notes. The Grounds got 1,433 Ks in 1,214 and two-thirds innings. That's a strikeout one point every one-eight innings. So Bieber's on a good thing for that. Here's the sad part, or not sad, weird part. 600 strikeouts, you think that's good. That's 35th for a Cleveland all-time. So he's got a long way to go. 600 is a nice number. It's kind of a benchmark. But he's got there's a lot of great pitchers that ever pitched for Cleveland for a while. So he's got a ways to go. He's at a good pace. Um, Syndergaard, after he was injured, he had 775 Ks and 716 innings. So that's just over a K an inning. Um, then you look at a lot of the old ones, the old-time pitchers, if you will. Look at the Mets records. DeGrom's 16 strikeouts behind Sid Fernandez for fourth place. Sid had 1449 for Ks. He did that in almost 1,600 innings. So strikeouts were, you know, um, good. 1875 for Ks. He did that in 2,169 innings. So even Dr. K didn't have the great numbers. Tom Seaver, 2541, leads the Mets for Ks. He got that in just over 3,000 innings. The game has changed for pitchers. A lot more strikeouts now than then. So just kind of put that in perspective, not taking away what he did, just before we get too excited on who's great and who's not. Just remember that. The Olympics coming up soon. Um, Major League Baseball and all baseball will be part of the Olympics this year. There is some. Uh, there has been no official word if they're going to be canceled or not yet. Some groups still say cancel them. Some say no. Better find out soon. Here is the American baseball roster right there. Most of these guys are minor leaguers. There's a few free agents. Um, Todd Frazier, who was just recently released by the Pirates, is on the team as an infielder. Um, Matt Kemp, you see, is an outfielder listed. He's a free agent right now. Some other names on there for the Olympic baseball roster. Uh, the qualifying games for the Olympic baseball are scheduled to take place next week, May 31st through June 5th in Florida. Me and the country's in the process of getting their rosters. Because, of course, here's Team USA's roster. Here's some other countries and some names we might uh, be familiar with. The Team Venezuela. The most famous players on the Venezuela team are pitcher Anibal Sanchez and catcher Robinson Chanos. Sanchez, 38, pitched for the Nationals back in 2020. So here, recent pro, and he's up there. He decided to concentrate on the Olympics instead of trying to go back to the pros. As of, for sure, else, the catcher, he turned 20, or 37 in June, split last season between the Texas Rangers and the Mets. He's presently a member of the New York Yankees AAA roster, although he'll be unavailable while his team is always playing for his country's team. Puerto Rico, um, they don't have a lot of big-name players yet, but their coach is Juan Gonzalez, or the manager, Juan Gonzalez, 51 years old, who won a pair of MVP awards back in the playing days, back in 96 and 98. He made three All-Star games uh, with the Texas Rangers. Where he batted 295 and hit 300, or 434 home runs. Colombia, as part of Puerto Rico, Colombia doesn't have a great deal of established names on their roster. Um, but one guy they got uh, – Youngster from the Boston Red Sox organization, infielder named Jeter Downs. Downs entered the spring ranked by CBS Sports as a top prospect in Boston's system. The Dominican Republic, again, DR, they have a lot of great ex-players. When I say ex, it's like in the last couple of years they've retired. They're not going way back, obviously. Um, Jose Batista, Noki Cabrera, as well as Seattle, Seattle Mariners prospect Julio Rodriguez. Batista's 40. He last played in 2018 as part of both the Braves, Mets, and Phillies. Um, he made six All-Star games as a career, uh, had three Silver Slugger awards, hit 344 home runs. Cabrera, 36, was most recently in the bigs in 2019. And as of for Rodriguez, he, spent the, he uh, entered the spring on CBS Sports as the fourth-best prospect in the minors. Um, not taken away from a lot of these teams, but – that's what Lowen got is it's a kind of a combination of a, a legends team and your rookies. And that's what a lot of these Olympic teams are. It's not like basketball and hockey where they take your greatest players now. So it's kind of a the future and the past meeting to make a team, which is still fun to watch and not taken away from it. That's kind of wish basketball and hockey did that a little bit. Maybe not so much hockey, but basketball. Hey, the guys who could have 
still play, but then teaching the young guys. That's kind of what I like to see. Um, host team Japan has already qualified for the Olympics because you're the host team, um, as has Mexico, Israel, and South Korea. The U.S. will be competing with the, with the DR, Puerto Rico, and Cuba, and Canada, Venezuela, Colombia, and Nicaragua in a qualifying tournament in Florida beginning May 31st. The winner of that tournament will claim the fifth spot in the Olympics. The second and third place teams will, from that tournament will then compete with Australia, Taiwan, and the Netherlands for the sixth and final Olympic berth. So in essence, Team USA is one of 11 teams vying for two spots. So it's not just a lockdown because we're Team USA, we're going to be there. So it should be, but we'll, we'll see. Oakland A's, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, are looking at moving. Uh, here's kind of a picture of what the Portland arena would look, or stadium would look like. They have visited up there. Um, retractable dome, that looks kind of cool. Portland, like we said, was one of our choices. We thought it would be kind of neat. It'd be kind of interesting to see how that works out. Watch for lots of fancy drawings of new stadiums coming up all over the place. <clears throat> Time for the soapbox. I'm going to say stuff here that I don't regret. That's part of the soapbox. Um, I'm an old man. I speak old term language. Um, there's new things in sports right now. There's new cultures. You know what? If you still got old people coaching, we're going to use old people terms. You're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. Connecticut Suns coach Kurt Miller of the WNBA was suspended for comments regarding Liz Cambridge's weight in a game. Connecticut Sun Kurt Miller was fined $10,000 and suspended one game for comments regarding the weight of Aces star Liz Cambridge. Cambridge posted an Instagram story on Monday claiming that Miller mentioned her weight as he lobbied for a foul call during Sunday's game. Cambridge noted Miller said something along the lines of, she's 300 pounds. Something went down in today's game and I need to speak on it because if there's, not, if there's one thing about me, it's that I've never felt a man disrespect me, Cambridge said Sunday night. So to the coach of Connecticut, I'm sorry, little sir man, I don't know your name. Okay, there's disrespect right there. Um, he's the coach of their team. You don't know the coaches of the other teams you're playing against. So let's stop right there with the respect and disrespect part there, ma'am. Um, I don't know your name. But the next time you try to call out a referee trying to get a call on me, come on, she's 300 pounds. I'm going to need you to get, get it right, baby. Now, these are her quotes. Quote, I'm weighing 235 pounds, and I'm very proud of being a big expletive. Be word expletive there. Big body, big bends, baby. So don't even try to disrespect me or another woman in the league. Okay, you disrespected him four times in that set in those sentences myself, if you ask me. Okay, you're cursing. That's real professional. You don't know the name of the coach you're playing against. That's good. You're ripping on him for a quote that you don't really have the exact quote on. That's again real professional. Miller issued a statement Monday morning apologizing for his comments. During last night's game, while arguing a call with the official, I made an inappropriate and offensive comment in reference to Liz Cambridge's height and weight, Miller said. I regret what I said in the heat of the moment and went to and went too seriously apologize to Liz and the entire Aces organization. For a coach or any other team to be yelling like that particular abuse, Cambridge said, because we don't do anything back, we don't do nothing back. It's just crazy to me. Okay, you know what? Again, sports, you get caught up in the moment things are said. I've said things. Things have been said to me. I'm sure all people who've played sports have had that. Uh, you know, you say, oh, whatever. I'm not going to give examples. We, I'd be here all day. So he said something about her being 300 pounds. He's trying to make the point that's a big girl. you got to call the fouls if they're big or small. You get, And then they're going to be all worried, oh, well, we want equal this, equal that. Well, then you're going to take the heat for it, too. You're going to get the trash talking back and forth. You're going to get this and that. If you don't like it, well, first of all, you better not go into broadcasting because you can't get your quotes right. You can't know coaches you're playing against. I've known that since I was six playing sports. You knew who the other coaches were. You had their names. Called respect. Aretha sang about it. Listen to it. Person of the week, Tony Stewart. 
Um, NASCAR this week has the Coca-Cola 600. And like Dan said earlier, the Indy 500 is this week, both the same day. Tony Stewart is one of a few people who have done both. Both the same day, 1,100 miles. Well, there, well, there potentially may not be many drivers who will attempt to do the double, as it's called, running the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. In Indianapolis, Indiana, Charlotte, North Carolina. In the same day, it's big to ask of anyone to run the 1,100 combined miles. To date, only one driver has done that, Tony Stewart, to complete, to complete both races on May 27th, 20, 2001, finishing sixth at Indy in what would be the final IndyCar race of his career for Chip Ganassi's racing and third at Charlotte for Joe Gibbs racing. Having completed all 1,100 miles of double duty is something I'm really proud of, Stewart said. It makes for a very, very long day. And when you're done with the 600 after running Indy and the flight and helicopter rides and the police escorts and all that doing the one day, you're very, very content to lay your head down the pillow. And even when you do that, it still feels like it's not stopped, you haven't stopped moving yet. There was some angst against, there was some angst, however, in Stewart's effort. As in common in Indianapolis at the end of May, rain briefly stops the race. As rain continued, and that day, it rained too and slowed down the race. <clears throat> Had the rain continued, Stewart was committed to leaving Indy and heading to Charlotte, even if he had the lead at the 500. As it turned out, the rain stopped with Stewart in the lead. The 500 resumed, and he was able to finish sixth before hopping a plane to Charlotte. The one part of it that's pretty traumatic was the point where we actually were in the lead of the race at Indy and the rain delay came and I had to get a cramp on my leg and something during a red flag, Stuart said. The hard part is knowing that we had a hard time to leave. So basically, he'd said beforehand, I'm leaving no matter what, going to Charlotte. I don't care if I'm in the lead or not. Whoops, you're in the lead during a rain delay. So they had to make that hard decision. What do we do? Then we had the rain delay. I was just glad that we didn't have to sit there and make that tough decision. I know, I mean, we had a hard time to leave. I know we had an agreement on what the hard time was going to be, but I did not want to come to that. I don't know if I could have made, if I could have lived with myself as a leader at Indy 500 and not be able to finish, and not come down to it. Now here's just a schedule of what his day was that day. These are all Eastern times. Um, 9.25 a.m. Stewart at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 9.50, Stewart changes into fire suit. Driver Richie Hearn standing by to drive relief if necessary. Ten, meaning, so if he had to take off to go to Charlotte, this other guy would have gotten in the car and finished the race. 10.15 a.m., driver introductions at the Indy 500. 11 a.m., start of the Indy 500. Tony Stewart is out of the helicopter and off his ride to the 2001 Coca-Cola 600. He completed all 500 miles at Indianapolis 500 just hours earlier. 2.30 p.m., Indianapolis 500 completed. Stewart finished sixth. 2.35, Stewart rides a golf cart from pit area to the inside care center. 2.45, Stewart boards a helicopter to Signature Combs Flight Center. 3.08, Stewart arrives for Concord Regional Airport on a 10 on a private jet, Stewart is administered two liters of IV fluids. 503, plane lands at Concord Re Regional Airport. 510, Stewart changes clothes and boards helicopter to travel to Charlotte Motor Speedway. 520, the helicopter lands at Charlotte Motor Speedway infield in front of the start finish line. Stewart waves to the fans and climbs in his car. The team had Mike McLaughlin ready if Stewart did not arrive in time. 537, starting command for Coca-Cola 600 given. Stewart's cars moved to 43rd last starting position as a penalty for missing the pre-race driver's meeting. 5.45 Eastern, start of Coca-Cola 600, 10 p.m. Coca-Cola 600 is completed. Stewart finished third. Stewart initially tried the double in 99, finishing fourth at Indy, fell four laps short, and fourth at Charlotte, completing all 400 laps. While well, rumors abroad that he started hallucinating during the final 100 laps of the 600 was actually more of a stomach issue. The first year we were worried about dehydration, 
He said that I drank and drank and I drank. So it said, I just never ate enough solid, nutritious food the night. Before the day of the race, I wasn't hungry because I've been drinking so much. So here's the thing. These guys are athletes. They're not just sitting in a car going in circles, making left turns. I, anyone else wanted to sit in a car and make left turns for 1,100 miles, 500 in Annapolis, fly to Charlotte and do it? You think you're man or woman enough if Liz Cambridge of the WWE wants to try it? You think you're person enough to do it? Good luck. I'd like to see you try it. Physically sit in a fire suit in the heat, in the humidity, and do it. Uh, anyone want to try that? I'd love to see you try. I'd love to see you fail. Then Stuart added with a laugh. It was early in the race, and there wasn't even a drive-thru in sight. He's starved. He didn't eat because, again, he was so worried about the dehydration part. Um, so in 2001 rolled around, they had hired a nutritionist. He got in better shape, and that's how he was able to do it. Um, this has been attempted by four other drivers, uh, multiple times by four drivers. Uh, the late John Andretti was the first to attempt the feat, May 29, 1994. He finished 10th at Indianapolis, but finished 36th at, 36th at Charlotte, failing to finish after engine trouble, and it is day just halfway through the, the 400 laps. Robbie Gordon then raced the double of most of any driver, doing it five times. His first attempt was in 97, but Range washed out the 500 and pushed the race back to Monday. Gordon, meanwhile, flew to Charlotte and finished 41st after a record on lap 186 of a rain-shortened 333 race, lap race. He returned to Indy, but rain pushed back yet another day to Tuesday. He finished 29th, dropped out due to a fire. Gordon tried to get in 2000. Rain delayed the start of the race. Gordon still managed to finish 6th. He flew to Charlotte, took over from P.J. Jones, and finished 35th, 11 laps down. What it means is in NASCAR, another driver could start the race, you got to pull in the pits, and you can switch drivers. It has happened, as you see here. Very rarely does it happen. Um, there's usually a standby driver. If someone's getting ill. If something happens, you have a standby driver. Um, that's how that works. There's been drivers who had a broken hand or a broken foot. But just looking at the points, they'll do the first lap, come in the pit, someone else finishes the race. That starting driver gets credit for the points. So that's how that works. In 2002, Gordon would wind up, wound up eighth at Indy, 16th at Charlotte, finishing a heartbreaking one lap short of completing both races. In 2003, he came up short at Indy, finishing 22nd due to a gearbox issues, and 17th at Charlotte. The race was called official after just 276 laps because of rain. He made his fifth attempt in 2004, left early, left Indy during a rain delay. Jacques Lezner finished but dropped out after 88 laps due to a broken axle. Well, Gordon finished 20th at Charlotte. Most recent driver to attempt the double was Kurt Busch back in 2014. He did an outstanding job, finished six at Indy, but a mid-race engine failure at Charlotte ended his day prematurely. Um, there is a list of names of guys who might try it again. Uh, Kurt Busch's brother, Kyle, uh, is one name that comes up a lot. Kyle Busch, for those of you who follow NASCAR a lot, He'll race like the truck race earlier that week. So he'll race all three races that weekend, but it's all the same track, three races, three days. So he does race other cars. He could be one to do it. Um, and a lot of these NASCAR guys too have driven these open wheels in the, before. It's not like, hey, it's a car. I could drive it. No, no, no. They are different. But a lot of these guys have done both in the past. So that's how they're able to do it. They have the knowledge to do it. It's just to be weird because you're not with that pit crew a lot and you're, you're crew chief. But again, you're professionals. That's kind of how it would go. Uh, so there are names that come up that could try again would be, of course, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, William Bryan, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, and Brad Kozlowski. Um, Brad kind of being towards the end of his career, I could see him maybe giving it a shot. Um, Chase Elliott, I don't see him doing it. I, I, for some reason, I don't. I could see Kyle Larson doing it. Um, I could see William Bryan doing it. I could see Joy Logano. Joy Logano, I can't see him doing it. Ego-wise, yes. Logano's a tall man. He's just about six feet tall, so it'd be hard to get in and out of those cars for that long a day. That would be tough, I think. But So as you're watching Indy today, first of all, if you could be a 
I, I could barely watch both races one day, let alone compete in both. So God bless anyone who tries that. Ah, live music coming up. Some concerts. Uh, Midsummer Music Festival coming up. Here's the schedule. Jackal, Enough's Enough, and Rock Gods on Thursday, July 1st. The second, Quiet Riot, Jack Russell's Great White. Saturday, Blackstone Cherry, uh, Saving Abel. Uh, Blackstone Cherry's pretty good. They're not bad. Lakes Jam coming up, Brainerd Lakes area. On the main stage, Thursday the 24th, you got Rat at 10, uh, Lita Ford, Slaughter, Kip Winger, and Autograph all on Thursday. Wednesday, the Crown Jewels, which is a Queen tribute band, headlined by Hairball on Wednesday night. For those of you up there. And tonight, Knuckleheads, the Tree Frogs will be there. Um, I will be there myself at 5 o'clock. I invite all and everyone who catches on YouTube this morning to come down. If not, look for the Tree Frogs on our page. We push a lot of their stuff there. So come see them. If not, Knuckleheads and Mayor isn't a bad place to go to either. They got a lot of nice bands there to catch every now and again. Got some new music coming up. We should all be like Bill. Bill likes music. I like music. I could be like Bill. Fozzie has a new one out, Sane. I saw the video last night and again this morning. Very cool song. Um, I know I was familiar with Judas, but their new song Sane is out. Uh, I've got a video posted on our Facebook page. If not, just look it up on YouTube. Fozzie, Sane. Very cool song. Very, very cool video. Something a little different. Um, I wouldn't put it up for video of the year, but it's something kind of cool. Night Ranger has a new album coming out. Um, Night Ranger, yes. They're not your typical hair band. They are a good rock band. Um, they, they played the game back in the 80s. What they do? They released their ballads. That sold albums then. You listen to every other song on that album. It's not a ballad. Uh, now, dun, 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 time for Dan's album of the week. It's enough of me. But before album of the week, how about trivia answer, sir? I did my little spiel about Indian and uh, Coca-Cola 600 there. Well, the one thing you mentioned, Andy, was the is the weather, and so yep. uh, I went out, checked ahead for the uh, for the Indy. Pleasant, lovely weather tomorrow, all day, so we should be good to go for that. <clears throat> Trivia question is: What number in the Indy Five Hundred? What car number is one of the most races? The answer is car number three. 11 races, car number three has won in the Indy Five Hundred. That's the trivia question for the week. Um, now, before we get into the album of the week, I've got some sports. I've been talking uh, a lot of Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball. <clears throat> but here in the state of Minnesota, we've got over 35 Federal League Baseball. Independent baseball, kind of, yep. It's uh, over 35 men's league, amateur. Got to be over 35 to play. Uh, there's a bunch of teams. Minnesota was the very first, of course, to start in the nation. And now um, all teams in the nation have over 35 leagues. So last year, Lakeville, Lakeville Lobos, L-O-B-O, -O, the Lobos won it all. But guess who they picked up this year? Well, they're, we're starting to get competitive. We're starting to get in the over 35 league. A lot of the a good amateur players are, dropped, are moving up to the over 35 and be, are becoming uh, stars at that league. <clears throat> They picked up Matt Meyer. Matt Meyer spent six years in the Angels minor league mm -hmm. system. Yep. So then he's played three years with the St. Paul Saints in independent league pro baseball. Well, he turned 36. Lakeville says, how about you come out of retirement and play for us? He said, okay, sounds good. I'm over 35. I can, I can pitch. So the first game, pitched six innings, struck out 15 gave up one hit the only hit is to the listener of the show randy comfort nice got the only hit off of uh after mr matt meyer now the next game he only pitches three innings struck out eight so he's got 23 strikeouts in nine innings this season he's a tough one but injuries happen injuries uh -oh. now matt matt meyer also plays for the amateur town team in class B, the Rochester Royals. 
took a hard shot liner off his hand, off his throwing hand in an amateur town ball game and is injured, he could be out for the season. He could be out for the season. So Lakeville will probably have a pretty easy time, I think, uh, maybe winning the state again this year or at least being in the final four. But uh, they used Matt Meyer a couple times. Uh, Rochester Royals. Rochester Royals and amateur in that tough conference with Dundas, Meesville, and Hampton. Um, but boy, were they were going to be good uh, this year uh, by getting Mr. Mr. Meyer. So injury might be done. Now that first game of the season. Matt, when the season interrupt right there. Matt Meyer. Is he really the Max Meyer or the Gophers? Who's I don't know. I, I looked at, uh, he's 36 and Meyer just turned what? 23, 22 years so, old. I mean, are they cousins? I'm are they guessing not, but it may be related. Maybe related. Uh, Max Meyer pitched for the Gophers. Now was uh, one of the top draft picks last year. Of the draft. Miami Marlins is he's, he's out in the organization. And uh, Matt Meyer, you know, came up with through the angels, um, and got up to double A and triple A. He spent a couple times in triple A. I don't think he ever appeared in a major league game, but so. one heck of a pitcher. Now, the first game of the season, guess who threw out the first pitch in the federal league in this uh, game for, for Lakeville? Former Vikings quarterback Tommy Kramer. Tommy Kramer first- came up from Texas to throw out the pitch. He lives down Texas. the first pitch. Uh, you can't make that up. You can't make that up. Uh, and uh holy Kramer. you know that was, that's the, and they, they're four, four to five weeks now into the season they, they start late april in the uh in the over 35 league now we're here at late may they're they're into their fifth week uh some teams have only played two games at this point some teams have already played six so they get a bunch of games in it's, it's pretty good uh pretty good information now speaking of town ball you know, uh, Tommy Kramer, like I said, he still comes – he doesn't live in the Minnesota area, but he comes back a lot for Viking stuff and things like this. So he hasn't you know, forgot where he came – for what made him famous, if you will. So I do respect Tommy for stuff like that. Also, uh, speaking of listener of the, uh, of the program here uh, and teammate of mine down in Florida, Randy Comfort got that hit off Meyer. Uh, Comfort went on to Homer the next week uh, in one of their other games, uh, home runs. So they he can put the ball in play. Now, Town Ball, Town Ball, Fox 9 Town Ball Tour has announced its games this season for the summer. Uh, They bring out a camera crew and attend uh, seven times a year in the summertime. They'll attend an amateur Town Ball game, talk about the history, talk about the game. Here's the schedule for this 2021 summer. Waconia, Waconia, this coming Wednesday. After that, they'll visit Buffalo, Delano. St. Patrick, Sartell, Sartell's in uh, St. Cloud. They did a bunch of renovations over the last yep. two years at Sartell, and they've got an excellent field up there in St. Cloud. They're going to be uh, number five, uh, five on the, on, the, on the tour. And then they're going to go to Parade Stadium in Minneapolis for week number six, and then end up in Faribault, Bell Field, Faribault. Now remember, Faribault has uh, Mr. Jake Patrika, pitching for them before the season started. Former White Sox closer in the major leagues. And now he's going to be playing independent ball out in that Atlantic Coast League where they're going to be doing the trial. They do a lot of uh, tests in this league. Moving the mound back one foot. They're going to do that this year. Patrick is going to be on that team. They do that after All-Star, after the All-Star break. Move the mounds back in the entire league by one foot just as a test. They've got uh, some rules in the shifts. All the infielders must have their feet, both feet on the infield dirt. You can shift any way you want. But you are, are they going to make the first base bigger too, like they're doing softball? Oh, yes. I think they're going to do that too to give some room. Uh, I know it was be a double base like in softball, but they're going to make first base bigger to make avoid it larger to, uh, to accommodate the, the, the runner and the, and the first baseman. So they're doing tests. Major League Baseball uses that league as a little uh, guinea pig league. Well, Jake Patrika is going to be the closer there in one of those. Uh, I'm not sure what the name of the team is. Uh, they started. They started last night. That that league started. I think they play a 100, 120 game season. He'll be the closer. Look for after the All Star game to uh, to happen uh, to be taking some of these uh, new rules, trying some of these things out. They want to test out to see if it's favorable or not. I don't get the whole mound being moved back. I, I don't understand that. that. That's the one I don't understand. I, I'll give you the first base one. I get that a little bit. I kind of get the shift one. I understand that. But if you look back, 
before the shift was popular back in the Metrodome, look how deep Chuck Knobloch played at second base on that turf. Uh, he they, That was kind of basically a shift in a way. He was way back. And the so pitching, it'll be interesting to watch some of those games. Uh, once the season gets rolling, I'll be reporting a little bit on that as yeah. well. And then once again, after their all-star break is when they incorporate a bunch of these different rule changes. So it'll be interesting. Um, and the pitchers mound one, just to put the pitchers mound one in perspective for, for Joe Blow average, we've all seen the pitchers mound. Not everybody's stood on one, okay? 60 feet, six inches. If you've ever gone bowling, foul line to head pin is 60 feet. So that, that, that kind of puts it in perspective for you. So next time you're bowling, start a foot farther back. It's not that easy. So. Interesting. That's good. good perspective to look at it from that visual. Yeah, like because it. not everybody stood on a pitcher's mound. Most people have bowled. So just kind of compare that. Yeah. So, so Faribault, you know, that's one of those teams to watch. Uh, they already were good last year, the Faribault Lakers. Yep. Uh, now they picked up this guy just to start the first half. He will not return all the rest of the season. He'll be playing uh, independent league baseball. But uh, they used him when they played St. Patrick. St. Patrick went to the Class C finals last year lost to Fairmont in the championship game. St. Patrick's always got a good, good ball team, a lot of good hitters. They used him to start. He just pitched three, I think maybe four innings. Uh, they beat St. Patrick two to one. So Faribault undefeated in the DRS. Uh, that's the team to watch. Um, so that's what I've got for, for amateur sports, minor leagues. How about the twins? Twins kind of hot. Won six out of the last eight games. I believe they're moved up. They were tied at the beginning of the series with Baltimore as the worst team in Major League Baseball, lowest number of wins. Now they're up there, I think, fifth worst. So they're slowly inching up. Yes. Now, Robbie Grossman, last night, former twin, plays for the uh, Detroit Tigers. They beat the Yankees on a walk-off home run. They had a 10th inning home run. Robbie Grossman beat the Yankees with the home run. Former twin. And then the only thing I've got left for sports is we've all seen probably the video of the Cubs game with Javi Baez running back yes. and forth from first. The overthrow, bases loaded, goes to first. He's going to be tagged out. He starts running back to home plate. Gets kind of in a, in a rundown. Weirdest thing ever. Right. Meanwhile, the guy from third scores. The first baseman now throws to the catcher. Try to get him. That's safe. They throw back because now he's got a Paul Butt to get back to first base. Um, the overthrow there goes out of bounds into foul, foul territory. He ends up on second. And so that was kind of comical, but interesting at the same time. Uh, Javi Baez is one of those guys that you never know what you're going to get. He'll do anything he can to win. Three things about Javi Baez. Um, there's been six no-hitters this year. He's been walked five times this season. Um, Javi Baez, and, and again, that play that the Cubs were in, not to take away from it, it was against the Pirates. So saying that. But nice. just your fundamentals. Ground ball at first, if the pitcher or the first run back, it was sure who just drank the first and tagged the bag. First baseman, <laughs> what are you putting in a rundown between home and first for? I guarantee that's never practiced at spring training. Yes. What happens? You turn around to first. And I just don't get that. Baez did it because you hope you can catch your guy not thinking, and he did. Um, so with that said, why you would do that, I have zero idea. Why you would, if it was a first baseman, try to run him back and forth. I, yeah, I don't get that. it's almost like a, a hot box situation, running him, and he was going back you know, to home plate, and he stayed in the baseline. Nothing weird happened there. And I give the catcher credit. Good. He stayed at home. He didn't, follow, he didn't run up and get caught in it. He stayed at home in case that runner broke. So I give the catcher for the Pirates credit. He stayed at position. It was interesting. First get a chance, chance to see the video, do a Google on it. Uh, I think it's also on our page, but uh, very interesting yeah. to see how. And it was a close game, so that run meant something. It was and, also, and also this week was the anniversary. Have it on our Facebook page. The home run that bounced off Jose Canseco's head. Yes, yes. That was on there. And also this week is the anniversary of the trade that sent Mark Langston to the Expos for uh, uh, was it Johnson, some Johnson guy, Randy Johnson. Yeah, he some had wild, right. wild pitching. He had a what? He had an all right career, 
But Mark Langston, if you look up his numbers, yeah, he's with the Mariners, who weren't real popular at the time. But his numbers, he came up the same year as Dwight Gooden, and uh, they were pretty comparable. Langston had a really good career, but he was kind of lost in the shuffle on a not real good team. Cable wasn't what it is today. Internet wasn't what it is today. Langston today would probably be an all – well, he wasn't all-star. But he'd be get more credit today because of social media. Yeah, Langston was good, but, boy, they give up on uh, Randy Johnson, send him to Seattle, and he goes on to win 130 games. And- 130 games in 10 years there, then he goes on. 10 to- seasons. Yep. Wow. So that is uh, the sports for the week. That's the trivia question. On to the album, week, album of the week review. Yes, very excited about this. We talked about it in production meeting last night. The, the album of the week is uh, – it is – the band Audio Vent. Audio Vent. I'll share the screen here. Little known album called Dirty Sexy Nights in Paris. Nights spelled with a K. Dirty Sexy Nights in Paris. There's the album. It's, uh, it was the only major label album by alternative rock band Audio Vent. Released in 2002 on Atlantic Records. The album had two singles, The Energy and Looking Down. Audio event went on to tour with Saliva and Theory of a Dead Man to promote the album. So, interesting. I am quite sure many of the listeners here of our show have never even heard of this, but it's got some pretty good, pretty good tunes on an underrated album. The band's origins trace back to the members attending middle school when lead singer Jason Boyd began playing music with friend bassist Paul Freed. Freed's stepbrother is Benjamin Isager. He walked into one of their jam sessions and joined shortly thereafter. The three had all known each other through their brother's band called Incubus, of which they were all related. Now, everyone here, I'm sure of the show, would know who Incubus is. Jason Boyd is the brother of vocalist Brandon Boyd. Benjamin Einziger is brother of guitarist Mike Einziger. And Paul Freed is their stepbrother. Then the band went on to recruit the final part of the band, drummer Jammin Wilcox, great name. And upon having a solid lineup formed under the band name of Bent, B-E-N-T, Bent. Despite forming so early and members just recently having learned to play their instruments, they would spend years practicing together playing covers of Nirvana and Metallica. So they were basically a cover band that did Nirvana and Metallica cover songs, which I think in their own right would be hard challenging to do. So the band continued to practice together throughout high school, began to build up a base by playing local shows. In 1999, the band financed their own independent full-length album called Papa's Dojo. Papa's Dojo, great album name. But the, and the album greatly increased their local popularity, something the band had difficult time coping with, leading to much infighting between the members. The band took part in some group therapy <laughs> to help strengthen their communication amongst one another. The therapy and determination helped to keep their long-term friendships ultimately paid off, as not only was the band able to stay together just a few months later. After the release of Papa's Dojo, the band received interest from multiple major record labels. The band chose Atlantic Records. So, very interesting. Uh, Interesting here, very related, you know, literally blood relatives to, uh, they're all related to the, to the Incubus band. The Incubus band's little brother uh, is called Audio Band. Here's the track listing from Audio Band. Song one, The Energy. I think most people have heard this song. Uh, we played a lot, 93X back in uh, the early 2000s. Song two was Looking Down. Both of these have pretty good videos, uh, music videos associated with them. Song three is I Can't Breathe. Song four is Rain. Song five is One Small Choice. Song six is Sweet Frustration. Song seven, Stalker. Talks about his uh, girlfriend, Stalker, that stalks him. Song eight is Gravity. Song nine is Underwater Silence. Song 10 is Back and Forth. Song 11, Beautiful Addiction. Song 12 is When I Drown. So once again, the personnel, vocals, Jason Boyd, Good vocals. I mean, this is this is a tip, prototypical rock band. Uh, 
kind of the look and the, the feel of the band. Boyd, very good vocals. Benjamin Einzeger, his guitar. Paul Freed on bass. Jammin Wilcox, once again, on drums. So they released their singles April of 2002. And then the second song was September of 2002. Other things were going on at, at the time in the, in the world of music. A lot of uh, rap and new metal and alternative metal was going on. This album is called Alternate Post Grunge Hard Rock. It's 45 minutes, 24 seconds long. It is the band Audio Band. They never went on to do another album. Good yeah, chance to I hear listen that, to it. I hear that genre post. I hear that genre post grunge a lot. Yeah, to me, it's just new rock bands who are rock bands who started after grunge. That's basically what a post grunge band is. Right, so, for those of you who see that, oh, they were just been a rock band before Nirvana came out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's called it's called a, a new metal or post uh, post grunge, but yeah, it's it's got some. I just listened to it again yesterday, the whole album. I liked, I liked most, if not all the songs in the album. There's no slow ballads. There's no instrumentals. It's just 12 rock, rock, rock and roll, hard rock songs. Yep. Kind of like listening to a rat album. Yes. Just rock song after rock song. Not really boom, 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 like Juice Priest rock. Just good, hard, decent rock songs. Yeah. One after so, the uh, so, so for the listeners out there to the show, if you haven't, uh, Give them a Google, take a, take a look on YouTube, watch some of the videos. Um, I like I like the music, and I think it's an under underrated band, but it is it is what it is. But they're related to Incubus, literally related to the band Incubus. All right. That's all I've got for the album review, uh, review of the week. Anything more for sports, uh, music? You've uh, already mentioned concerts, upcoming shows. Yep. I'll say the word bar shows, if you will, for example. Um, like I said, I'm going to see the Tree Frogs today. Tree Frogs are uh, some members from the Isaiah Mueller band, which I've reported on here before to thing. So good guys there. Um, again, only those of you on YouTube who see this, those of you hearing it tomorrow on audio, I'm pretty sure I had a good time. Uh, but like I said, Knuckleheads and Mayor is a good bar that's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, we've mentioned Medina a lot has stuff going on. Wherever town you're in, I'm sure there's going to be a local bar around you that has bands, if not every weekend, every other. We can all get out and breathe again and see people and high five and hug and shake hands and stuff like that. Still don't drink out of someone else's beer glass, so that's always been gross. Don't ever do that. Um, so just go out and have a good time. It's be decent weather for it this weekend. Um, good, good time to get together with your buddies that you haven't seen in a while. Support the local people, the local bands, local restaurants and bars. Uh, go see your town ball teams. Uh, it, this, this is You don't need to go downtown to see the pro sports teams have a good time. We spend almost more time talking about the amateurs here than we do the pros, I think. I think you spent three or four minutes on the Twins today. I mentioned a handful of Mets stuff. And then we went out for 20 minutes about town ball. So that's kind of what well, we do here. One thing to note, Andy, uh, in an upcoming show here in June, we're going to try to get, uh, we're going to have an interview scheduled with, uh, with Town Ball Tuesdays, the, the uh, yep. Twitter and the blog account, Town Ball Tuesdays. Yep. And we'll get those, uh, get these guys in the show. Uh, they go to a different baseball stadium on Tuesday, Tuesday night games in the summertime and uh, give, uh, give out tweets on the atmosphere the beers they like to enjoy and the ball game. Uh, very good followers. Their Twitter account is awesome. They got I a love great this. Twitter, Twitter feed uh, is uh, very lively on that. And yeah, they, they don't of, just put something there and let you comment. They will reply back to you. Yeah, like a lot of uh, writers or bloggers, they just put their one topic out there and let everybody else banter back and forth. They will get back in there. They won't argue with you, but they'll try to get their point across. And that's what I like. Because the one time they did argue with a guy, but. You know. Look, uh, look forward to that and the upcoming shows as well. Uh, also, I know the over uh, 35 league has started in full swing. The over 50 league in Minnesota starts June 9th. That's coming up here. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, that's an over 50 amateur baseball league uh, we'll be talking about uh, as well. But that's all I got for today. Have a good weekend, everybody. Happy one, one more note Day. real quick. One more note real quick. I just looked up. Indy 500 started back in 1911. Really? Yes, most wins by driver AJ Foyt, Al Unser, and Rick Mears, all with four each. Yeah, no one has uh, has yet to win it five times. Four is the record. Uh, car yes. number eleven, eleven. Uh, car number three is one of eleven three. times. Wow.
Uh, page two on Tuesdays will either be Instagram or a blog. Check it out. Dan has his stuff Wednesdays on the YouTube. Uh, this weekend being a long weekend, I will hopefully get our Sports and Songs Spotify music page updated. And In the Works is a Sports and Songs YouTube video page, meaning videos for songs we've put on there. Not the same songs on the Spotify, it'll be different songs from albums we've okay. I like it. That's uh, my things to do when the wife is out of town list. Honey do list. All right, sounds good. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. See ya.